The 2023 UCLA Bruins won the Pac-12 doing great. But 2024 could look extremely different. An official visit by a big-name recruit coming this weekend against the Arizona game. And then someone might stay from this year's team. Fifth-year guy? We'll talk about it on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, it's your favorite host of Locked On UCLA. It's Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and die-hard Bruins fan. Thanks for making Locked On UCLA your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast, and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, and subscribe. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more visiting fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. So as I was teasing in the open, who could stay and who might come through for UCLA? Well, we've already talked about one, but let's revisit it. Marcus Adams Jr., a rising four-star in the class of 24, may come in the class of 23. Who knows? He is making his official visit to UCLA this week. Why is that important for Mick Cronin? Well, you could theoretically see this entire UCLA team all move on with the starting five and the sixth man with David Singleton graduating, with Hawkes, with Clark, with Bona and Bailey potentially going, Tiger Campbell, more on him later. Because who are you going to have starting next year for Mick Cronin? It could be between Dylan Andrews, Sebastian Mack, the two Williams coming from New York and SoCal. But who's this guy, Marcus Adams? We've touched on him before. A local kid, went prep, came back to the city school, went to Narbonne in Harbor City, was the number one team in the the CIF city section. He is 6'8", a wing that could probably play a 3, a 4. He's a 205-pound kid who is 18 years old and very well could reclassify from 24 to 23. This year at Narbonne, averaged nearly 29 points per game nearly seven rebounds per game. And in one game, in one game, Adams put up 50 points, 50 points and 21 rebounds in one game. So that is the type of elite, maybe underrated athlete that nobody had their eyes on until the month of February. Because all of a sudden, Adams started vocally voicing his idea of moving from 24 to the class of 23. And he just has to pick up the credits after going to prep school and needing to get the credits to graduate high school. But for Adams, he could be that three to go along with the two 6'10 kids for UCLA that they brought in, Brandon Williams from New York, the number one kid in the state of New York. And then you have Brandon Williams, yeah, Devin Williams, excuse me, who is at Corona Centennial, the SoCal kid who was on the Open Championship Corona Centennial team who just won over the weekend in the Honda Center. So here you are, UCLA already offered Adams. He was given an offer February 6th. I talked about it. I believe it was in attendance with the game with Devin Williams. Those two had the Compton Magic connections. Of course, Rod Palmer, co-founder, now on the staff with UCLA. The Plenty of connections with the Compton Magic, UCLA's grab guys here and there. And considering you've already got a slight teammate and a class of 23 kid, 
you could give UCLA a slight edge in the recruiting process. The problem is every other team in the country has taken notice to Marcus Adams Jr., who despite being a four-star by two sites, a three-star by rivals, there's various looks for the number sixth overall talented recruit in the state of California. So for UCLA, you're either going to get, if you get this kid, a guy in your class of 24, your first commit, or you could get someone to add to the three-player class of 23 and get someone who can immediately impact next year's squad. Again, 28-7, and seven, and he was supposed to make his top three yesterday. It was most likely going to be between UCLA, maybe Syracuse, and Texas. But what did Adams do last week? He made a trip out to Lawrence, Kansas, went to see a Jayhawk game, took his official out to Kansas, and saw how they ro- they roll over there at Fog Allen. And supposedly, reading all the reports, it made an impact on him. Then, right as he was supposed to drop his top three, he was supposed to go one more East Coast or go all the way to the East Coast, make another Syracuse official visit, which I think would have been his second. He instead scrapped that and said, I'm taking an official to UCLA during the Arizona game where the Bruins could be playing for an undefeated home schedule trying to get the one seed in front of a packed-out crowd who wants to wipe out the Cats for good in this regular season finale. So you got a packed-out Pauley Pavilion, a ready recruit, who in the month of February alone, let's take a look at this, Kansas, Indiana, USC, Washington, Kansas State, Arkansas, Washington, Xavier, all offered him in February. So this is a rising recruit UCLA is battling across the rest of the country. So if I had to guess... His new top three might actually include Kansas. I would like to think UCLA would be amongst the top three if he had released it. But he scrapped releasing that top three. I was sitting there, all right, who's the top three? Canceled it, despite hyping it up the day before. Canceled his trip this weekend, scheduled to go watch a Syracuse game and go take that visit over in New York. Instead, making his trip to UCLA, which makes me think maybe Syracuse tapped in on him first, had, you know, Thought they might have had them in the bag, but then all of a sudden, UCLA is like, this kid's local and he's really good. And all the other teams started to go after him. The Bruins have a chance this week to either get someone to fill out this class or begin to start the verbal for 24. What his old top five was, was UCLA, Oregon, Syracuse, Mississippi State, and Texas. Something tells me that Adams' new top five looks a little different than what it did a day ago a week ago, and I think UCLA is still very much in the mix, and you always like to see these different recruiting websites that say hot, cold, extremely hot, crystal ball indicators. I think UCLA is in the mix. Of course, Kansas got their influence on them. Syracuse, he's been a few times. Texas, there's teams who could still try and pry him away, but with him being in UCLA's back door, very well could be a physical specimen that Mick Cronin would love to add to a talented but will be a very youthful team in 2024 or later this year, I should say, in 23 into 24 for UCLA if he reclassifies or doesn't. Either way, he might look at making his commitment in two weeks, could be a month, could be two months. It's been an up and down look for Adams because he's got so many more looks than he had just a month ago, two months ago. So he's trying to take it in, it looks like, and choose who the right school is. UCLA could seal the deal this week with an extreme home crowd Hey, you got Dante to LA. Let's bring Adams. Keep Adams home, right? Keep Marvin. Keep Marcus Adams in LA and bring him to Westwood 
and sell Pauly Pavilion out, bring him, treat him right, just like the Bruins brought Dante Moore in. Let's get a basketball recruited and keep him in SoCal. So that could be interesting. Compton Magic ties could give UCLA a one, a three, a four, a five. You could have four freshmen in the starting lineup next year. But who's going to start? Is it Mack as a point guard? Do you get Dylan Andrews as a point guard? Does Tiger Campbell come back one more year? Why would I say that? Well, reports say he hasn't decided. Let's talk about should Campbell stay, go, or transfer. Who knows? As we tell you first about one FanDuel, and then we'll tell you about Tiger Campbell here in this episode today. Because FanDuel Sportsbook, well, boy, oh boy, they're one of the they're the newest locked on sportsbook combo. They're America's number one sportsbook. Do the near the end of the NBA season, you want to get your bets in. Of course, the Lakers are now tanking. It seems like. With all the injuries, do you want to get a no-sweat first bet? If you bet on the Lakers the other night before you saw everybody was hurt, if you got a no-sweat first bet, you can get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. If you just want to get that no-sweat first bet, again, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. You can bet money line, point scores, three strained, anything. Go get in on that action today. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, and with Locked On. All right, let's talk about what this 24 team UCLA could look like. The 23 to 24 team. And I know you don't want to get too ahead of yourself. We will talk about UCLA and the impact of the Arizona State game could have for both teams. But considering I was doing the research for Marcus Adams, and all of a sudden a little couple of Different sources, I think I saw from Ben Bulge first. Tiger Campbell, despite being a fifth-year guy, his fourth year playing, because he missed his true freshman year with the ACL tear, he hasn't decided if he wants to go pro, if he wants to come back for a sixth year, which would be his fifth year playing. Campbell has left that door open, and with this being the last week of the season, one wonders if how UCLA finishes could determine if Tiger Campbell wants to come back and have more unfinished business and try to finish that, or with the new NAL day and age, maybe he's not the highest-rated pro prospect, maybe he's not the highest-rated NBA prospect and all that. You can make a little bit more cash on the NIL. Maybe up your pro prospects. Maybe add on to your academic side between a major, a master's, a graduate program, and then set your prospects for Europe. But Campbell it seems like, has not fully decided if he wants to leave or come back for one more year. And remember, late in this recruiting cycle for McCrone at 23, the Bruins are missing a lot on a lot of the top point guards. They didn't get one until Sebastian Mack, late in the recruiting cycle, a four-star point guard for the Bruins, to go along with the two Williams. And while they can add Adams, Adams won't fix who needs to be the starting point guard next year. It could be Dylan Andrews. Will McClendon's coming back from injury, looking like a defensive wizard as Mick Cronin continues to build him up. Dylan Andrews has looked like a nice spark plug in games this season. But then Mack, he wants to vie for a starting spot. But what happens if Tiger Campbell comes back? One, you've got a veteran point guard who could lead a very youthful team. And considering Mick Cronin's already asked a lot of Campbell this season, you look at his numbers. Considering Juzang, Bernard, and Riley all left, 
that meant a lot more shots and opportunities to score for Tiger Campbell this season. And we've already done this analysis once. Let's take a quick retake back. Let's go back and rebrief you guys on what Campbell's done this year. Hasn't played as many minutes as normal. How much difference? Not much, honestly. He still plays over 31 minutes a game. He's taken, compared to his career, 37 more shots than he did last year. And the Bruins, at the minimum, have four games. At the minimum, four more games for Tiger Campbell. And he's already taken 37 more shots than last year, but made four less shots. So the efficiency field goal percentage last year at 44%, this year only 38%. Three-point numbers are okay, 35%. And his scoring average has gone up from eight as a freshman up to 12.5 as a senior. His defensive game has gone up a little bit. His passing has been consistent as his assist numbers have gone up from last year to this year, but have been as high as five and a half assists a game as a sophomore during the Bruins' Final Four run. So Campbell is that veteran point guard who plays defense, and we saw at the end of the Colorado game when Hawkes wasn't necessarily getting all the ISOs he wanted, it was Campbell hitting the big buckets. And while he hasn't always been the most efficient, we've seen a 4-for-15 performance for Tiger has been more often than not this year. But when it came down to needing a big bucket, Campbell would get it. When it comes to taking care of the basketball, Mick Cronin and his most recent media availability stressed, how are the Bruins so good? And why are they 25-4? and four? Why did they win the Pac-12 with the week to go? They're number one in turnover margin. One of the best at scoring defense. One of the most efficient teams that Ken Palm loves them so much. They're amongst the top two efficient teams in the country. Why the net gives them so much love? Because they've gone and played teams and they beat them. Because they've got an older roster with their veteran leaders between Campbell and Hawkins. Now, does that mean Tiger could come back? Well, I'm not entirely sure what his prospects look like after this. Hawkins is, is the name value with the potential most likely player of the year in the Pac-12 who could easily rise his draft stock in an NCAA tournament run. Easily Tiger could do the same. But in this day and age, the NIL could add so much more. And if Tiger goes on a big run in the tournament, makes a big shot, and you want to come back and cash in, lead a team, get that, live the college experience one more life, one more year, there's no harm in that, considering, again, who's the true starting point guard next year? Of course, at some point, coaches will have to let go of the COVID super seniors, and Tiger Campbell will be one of the last guys to be amongst the five, six, or seven-year guys, as we've seen across the board in various sports at various schools with old guys in Campbell. Campbell is getting the COVID year and the ACL tear year back, which is why he can stay six years. And again, it just depends. Maybe he's leaving it open based on if he, how this year goes, or he's seeing his prospects and says, hey, I can add to my academics. I can add to my prospects for next year. And hey, if he stays, highly likely he's playing 32 minutes a game next year. Or maybe his minutes are reduced and he can be more efficient with more young guys in the fold, and he turns himself into a hybrid player coach, which Mick Cronin would love all the more, and a lot more emphasis would put on be put on Campbell again next year. But who knows, considering UCLA will go from one to two point guards this year, McClendon slowly building back to almost four on the roster next year, which may anger Mack coming in if he has to sit down, Andrews or McClendon if Campbell comes back. So one wonders 
does Cronin say, hey, we love you, but we need you to move on? Some coaches do that. Don't think Cronin would. He would probably love Tiger one more year back. I'm not certain one year of one more year of Campbell would be the worst thing. It would certainly create a log jam at the point guard position. Absolutely. However, you'd need a veteran for next year's team. And considering it took so long to get a point guard in the class of 23, maybe Cronin wants to build Mac one more year. Maybe Andrews needs one more year in terms of learning the system. And McClendon needs one more year of getting healthy. And then all of a sudden the Bruins could have a sneaky underrated team next year and not have all their chips put in on this year's team as Cronin continues to build UCLA to not just relevancy for two years, but consistent dominance in Westwood, which is what UCLA wants to return to as a consistent blue blood and not a team that hasn't won a championship since 1995. And Campbell staying could be one of those guys, those those guy, one of the players that stays and earns himself and helps guide guys next year while being one of the number one to two options again in the following year. But we'll see how it all plays out. Not entirely sure if Campbell does come back or if he doesn't. I think it depends on how the run finishes and if he feels complete. But just know he's thinking about it. Now as we transition into segment three of Locked On UCLA, what does this Arizona State-UCLA game mean? Can this be a quad one win for UCLA at home? Let's define that. Quad one wins are top 35 teams at home top 50 teams on a neutral site, and top 75 teams on the road. UCLA, currently by Joe and Artie Projections, various bracketologists and bracket matrices, or matrices, I should say, UCLA is still on the outside looking in at a number one seed in the West because Purdue has their clamps on it, a one seed, and the Bruins are being edged out from a one to a two seed and they are the highest-rated two-seed. They would be in the West, although they'd be stuck underneath Kansas, just stuck, not able to get the one seed. Arizona State, they're just in. Based on projections on the tournament, they are this close to being in the tournament. They are on the good side looking at those teams at the bubble. Arizona State, they get a win. They get a quad one win. It would be their fifth of the season. If they could beat USC on the road, that would be back-to-back quad one win opportunities. You get a win at UCLA, Arizona State, they're probably in solidified, barring a terrible Pac-12 tournament loss. You get two wins, Arizona State is sitting pretty on Selection Sunday. Doesn't matter what they do at the Pac-12 tournament, which is why Mick Cronin has alluded to maybe the lack of emotional energy, that emotional gas that was maybe lifted in that gritty win over Colorado to win the Pac-12 on Sunday. He kind of alluded to, hey, maybe I wish we needed these two wins to win the Pac-12. They do need these two wins. It's just to get the one seed. They need to beat Arizona State. You lose to Arizona State, it makes that Arizona game a funky one because, all right, you beat Arizona, but Arizona's just lost to Stanford, just lost to Arizona State at home, which would be their third loss. In seven games, it won't look as attractive. And if UCLA loses to Arizona State at home, that one, kills the losing streak. Two, kills a lot of the momentum building towards being one of the hotter teams at the end of the year. And three, would lose maybe any sights of being a number one seed. Could still give them that two seed, but not what they needed. So for UCLA, 
This Arizona State game will be extremely tough. You've got Cambridge coming in. You've got the, you've got the two Cambridges. You've got Arizona State red-hot building for a chance to sneak in into the tournament and find a way for UCLA to lose at home. It, that's how important it is because UCLA, despite being top two in Ken Palm, number four in the NCAA's own net rankings, they're not even in the top five in the committee. Projections have, a, projections have them in the top five. However, with Purdue having one more loss, considering they lost twice at home on the road to the same place UCLA blew out a team in Maryland, but UCLA's just not getting that respect. And what would get that respect for UCLA is, one, holding serve at home against Arizona State, and that fifth quad one win just sitting there on Saturday night, the Bruins have to go and snatch it, which is why that loss to Illinois and that loss to USC, either one of those are so killer and crucial. You beat Illinois, the Bruins got a quad one win because it would be on a neutral side. Illinois currently sits 36 in the net rankings. USC just, I believe, outside the top 50, but well within the top 75. And if you went at, you went, held on to that lead at USC, you would have that quad one win that it seems like all the committee members are saying UCLA is lacking this year. And the record looks closer to 500 than it does dominant-wise as compared to the UCLA overall record with their 25 wins, four losses, dominant Pac-12 regular season. They just need to stack up the wins in these next two weekends. One here in home, the next one in Vegas. And I think at the minimum, you get two wins this weekend. You win at least two Pac-12 games in the tournament, in the Pac-12 tournament. I think UCLA will have solidified themselves as a one seed, even if they don't win the tournament championship. You go 5-0, and oh, I'm not sure how the committee can leave you out. You go 4-1. and one, I'm still not sure how the committee can hold them away from a one seed, but they could be bitter and keep the Bruins away from it. That's how close it is. Arizona State needs this win to stay in, to turn in the tournament field. UCLA would need this win to stay become a one seed and become a one seed in the West. The difference between both teams, who comes out with the emotional energy, who comes out looking gassed, considering the Bruins had the extra weight in Boulder, and then playing on Sunday and flying back from the altitude. Arizona State got all their emotional energy out Saturday afternoon. Only one game last week, despite it being a thriller at the end, back and forth, they got the extra day of rest and one less flight or two less flights, depending on how you count it, compared to what UCLA had to do to get to Utah, to Colorado, and back. It's important this week, Bold dissect the keys to that Arizona State matchup coming up in the next episode. We'll talk UCLA's Pac-12 tournament hopes in the next episode. As we drop this episode, they'll be playing Arizona State in the Pac-12 tournament. So we got all that and more fun unlocked on UCLA as we continue on with March Madness. It's officially March. It's time to get mad. That's why you Locked On UCLA listeners should go to Locked On College Basketball. Make them your second listen. Great show. They've got Andy Patton, Isaac Shade, both perfect hosts. They come together, give a good overview of the country, and we'll get your brackets ready. I'm Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, saying so long on this podcast. We will talk to you again soon. Hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five.
five, six, seven, eight, you see, LA, UCLA fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked On UCLA, Dobruns.